0: The time is 12.30, and it is time for Community Comment with Craig Warmbold here on 95.3 WBEV, powered by Daily Dodge.
1: Well, thank you very much, and good afternoon. Welcome to Community Comment. Our guests on Community Comment are in today to talk about an event that is uh, coming up that uh, might be of interest to those in the agricultural community. It's the 2023 Soil Health Expo that's taking place on February 8th. That's uh, next week on uh, Wednesday. Uh, Our guests here are with um, Dodge County Healthy Soil, Healthy Water, uh, the uh, president of the organization, uh, Tony Pyrick. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tony. Thank you, Craig. Also here with us from the uh, Dodge County UW Extension Office. Uh, You might uh, also uh, know him from a uh, a program that we have here about once a month or so called Field Notes. Uh, We want to welcome into the conversation uh, Will Fullwider. Thank you so much for joining us today, Will. Happy to be here, as always. Crops and Soils Agent is the technical title for you. Regional Crops Educator. <laughs> okay, so I'm yeah. going. and it's not Dodge <laughs> County UW <laughs> Extension. It's the no. University of Wisconsin Extension Dodge County. Yep.
0: Yeah, we, we really like to make the titles as long as possible. <laughs> well, okay. I think
1: Tony's uh, giving you a run for your money, because now is this uh, Dodge County Farmers for Healthy Soils, Healthy Waters? That's a, it, it, I remember it as Dodge County Healthy Soil, Healthy Water. Are you adding a few words to your name, too? Uh...
2: Yes and no. It's been around, yeah, we started this organization in uh, 2017. I got it going, and uh, we got a group of farmers here. Uh, We're under the Dodge County Farmers Healthy Soil, Healthy Water Group. Our mission statement is to improve our community's soil and water through conservation practices and education. So we're uh, a group of farmers here in the county. Uh, Throughout Wisconsin, there are up to 43 groups like ours right now that are going. And at the time we started ours up in 2017, there was... Eh, between five and ten and they've grown quite considerably here with the help of DADCAP and our state governor and everything putting money into the DADCAP to get these groups and fund these groups there right now there's a million dollars every year we can qualify for for our group and other groups in the state that i can apply for this to to do conservation practices and help farmers and educate farmers put on put on events to help them understand what we're trying to accomplish here in this conservation to uh reduce tillage and our conservation practices
1: so how did uh what was the reasoning behind the story behind this getting started in 2017 it took place the the story starts a little earlier than that
2: yeah it started in 2015 here in dodge county we do have uh three nice lake uh associations or you know beaver dam fox lake and uh Uh, they just wanted to try to impose a little more restrictions on the farmers. They're concerned about the phosphorus and running in their lake, which is everybody. We're all concerned about it, and they wanted to push some more uh, more restrictive uh, restrictions on us as farmers, and they went to the county board, and county board said that we really can't do that. We've got to re- you know look into this and do more research and not just force uh, some kind of a regulation on these farmers. So uh, they instructed the land conservation, DNR, uh, lake associations, extension, uh, anybody that was involved with the in the county here with soil stuff and they recruited like five farmers to be on and I was one of the five farmers to come in so we sat there uh, had meetings monthly and tried to come up with a solution you know and this this is, can't be going this way we got to do something so it was interesting because it was quite intense between the farmers and the Lake Association people and they were pointing fingers which is always back and forth which we don't need and uh, we got together and had a lot of good conversation and back and forth and figuring out and the DNR helped us a lot Mike Sorge and Mark Riedel from DNR were very instrumental in helping us and the Lake of People and everybody as far as our, our whole community here in Dodge County really stepped up and we worked together so it uh, went on from there and then I was able to go to a event up in uh, Wisconsin Rapids that they were putting on and had Ray Archuleta speak there about soil health and reducing tillage and reducing our input costs on crops and trying to help the farmer out so I saw what they were doing up there, and it was uh, something that we needed to do here. So I asked the county, and when we were done with that year, I asked the county if they would help me, I would start a group up here in Dodge County. So with the uh, help of our, uh, we had a county agent at that time, Dr. Loretta Ortiz Ribbing helped me, and I started that group up in February. We had our first annual meeting, and I got the farmers there, and we had Rachel let us speak, and he explained the whole, what we're gonna try to do with the soil, you know, regenerative foil practices and starting no- no-till and covers. so. We got it together, and I asked for a bunch of farmers, and we got this farmer group together. We're a 501c3 uh, nonprofit and charitable organization. We got a great board of directors. I can't say enough about our board of directors, and our whole farming community here is 100% behind it. So we've got a lot of recognition throughout the state. So we got we can talk into more
1: stuff after a while about what we are doing, so with that, I can kind of give you a general idea of what we're doing. So uh, when we talk <laughs> about phosphorus in the water, uh, give us some insight, if you could, into you know, why that's not a, a beneficial thing for the public, but also why phosphorus in the water might not be advantageous for the agricultural community. I can take this one. Okay, well. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so phosphorus is a limiting nutrient for plant growth. And so when you have um, phosphorus, which is really adheres to soil particles really well, um, and when you have like heavy tillage or you know, very large uh, precipitation events combined with heavy tillage that loosens up that soil maybe, then that could run off of uh, farm fields, especially on slopes uh, into local water bodies. And then that phosphorus is carried on, on the soil particles to kind of larger water bodies where it settles out. And that phosphorus being a limiting nutrient for plant growth stimulates plant growth and algae growth. And so you have um, kind of these aquatic uh, plants that bloom. Um, And they go crazy and they cause um, not the best uh, results in water quality. And so what you have are kind of these algae balloons that then they consume a lot of the oxygen also um, in the lakes and lead to hypoxic or oxygen depleted environments and they can also be toxic to humans and uh, animals, the cyanobacteria, especially feeding on that phosphorus. And so you have kind of situations that result in lower water quality. And phosphorus, being a limiting plant nutrient and being as it is bound to the soil particles themselves, is farmers need that on their, on their fields. They don't wanna lose that down to the water and into the lakes where it causes plant growth that the lake association people, people living in the lakes and around them don't like. And so they wanna keep that on their fields because if they lose it, then they have to replace it with extra nutrients, with extra uh, fertilizer. And being the limiting plant
2: nutrient that
1: it is, they need that for their crops. And, Tony, this is something you see play out on your own farm.
2: Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. And this whole movement, what's going on with regenerative soil, is something we need to do and happen here because we've been – our abundance of fertilizer have been pretty easily already available to us, and the cost nowadays is going up and up and up in cost of fertilizer. And we know that nutrients are in the soil. We've just been doing the wrong – Practices on our farms to not get the nutrients we need to get out of them, and also losing the nutrients off our fields by runoff. So by doing this no-till, minimum till, any kind of minimum soil disturbance, you can hold your fertilizer and soil particles and uh, sediment on your on your fields and not have it run into the lake. So it, it's it's something that's moving forward. It's a very fast pace. It's a regenerative agriculture. People are demanding, you know, that we need to do something. So. This
1: is a big movement. So at the end of the day, you're uh, both being beneficial to the environment, which, you know, everybody kind of likes. But you're also, you're saving money.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can reduce. We know by, by reducing our tillage or doing no-till and doing covers, you can save, you know, anywhere from $10 to $20 an acre uh, right now on, on reducing your fertilizer, reducing your insecticide and pesticides and chemical uh, of applications that we do because by destroying your soil anytime a tillage does actually destroys your soil biology and nobody really did a lot with that years ago. Uh, Soil is a living organism. You know we treat it as dirt quote unquote and we add the fertilizer nutrients to it with an active living soil, the biology is living in there. It's actually, there's more organisms in a teaspoon or a tablespoon of soil than there is people living on earth on a live soil. So the soil is very active, and it can bring up the nutrients and supply your corn and your beans or whatever you're growing to the plant. By doing tillage, you reduce that action in the soil where they don't have that help, and the microbes bring in the nutrients to the plant. And then at that point, you when know, we're adding all this commercial fertilizer or synthetic fertilizer, so... It's, an interesting, it's going
1: to be an interesting uh, education as we go forward. Uh, soil is a living organism. Boy, you know, Will, with all the conversations we've had, your predecessor, Matt Hansen, Crops and Soils agent here on, uh, on Community Comment over the years. I don't know if I've ever really quite heard it explained that way, but, that, I mean, that's 100% accurate, right? It, it, mm-hmm. Soil is a living organism.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would... I would definitely say it's a living organism. I would probably refer to it as an ecosystem, right? Ah. You've, you've got, and, the, and they're no different. It's just right. in the way that you word it, sure. right? Because mm-hmm. you've got- Well, you're a scholar. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I don't know if I go that far. Yeah. You, you've got fungi, you've got bacteria, you've got earthworms, you've yep. got flora, fauna, everything growing in the in, in the soil. And it, you know, it is, it's host to a huge reserves In the world of carbon, Mm -hmm. for one, you know, we were talking about carbon credits last time I was on. It's one of the world's largest reserves of carbon. And then in that carbon is a lot of the decaying plant matter and root matter and everything like that, that forms kind of the homes for these organisms as well. And is it very important for mobilizing those nutrients for plant growth. So mm-hmm. it is a living organism, and everything that everything that organisms do as functions.
1: Mm-hmm. So Tony, what kind of buy-in are you getting from uh, your neighbors, your 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 friends out there who are who are agricultural producers uh, in the county? Uh, let's start within the county first of all. Well, we've got good
2: participation. There's still a lot of naysayers out there, but like I say, we, we hold different events during the year, and we'll talk about our annual event coming up shortly here, but uh, we, we get them to these meetings and explain to them and show them the practices that we need to do, and uh, we've got a, a, good, a good amount of farmers in our county now doing these practices and 100% on board, and they're seeing results, and uh, that's what going to take. People are, farmers are so reluctant to do change and they always say well, that ain't going to work it ain't going to work and no-till really didn't work years ago because we didn't have covers planted into the no-till you got to keep a living root you know the the five things of uh of uh regenerative soil or, or no-till is uh you got to keep the soil in minimum disturbance to get diversity living roots planting or growing in your soil you know round the clock to keep your biology alive so but overall we're, we're doing good we're getting there we want to keep educating keep putting the events out Get the farmers to come and understand what we're trying to do and accomplish to help
1: them out but dodge county is moving forward i mean we're we're doing a good job here in dodge county so and you've got that 2023 soil health expo coming up uh, uh next week wednesday 8 30 to 10 a.m uh, we'll dig into that so mm-hmm. to speak here uh but this is as you mentioned not the first time you've been holding events just in the last year alone you've held a number of events yeah we always
2: our group we've been holding i always like to have at least four major events we have uh, and uh we like to say we are annual our annual event coming up and then we'll have a spring planting event and then in the summer we'll have a uh, putting cover crops on after wheat and then in the fall cover crop showcase and we also uh invite the we work with the Lake Associations, too, which we call the alliance we 've got Alliance with Lake Association. they were another group nonprofit that's set up too with our group. We kind of work together on different stuff and then uh, the lake Association people we have them come out and we show them what covers are in the fall, and uh, they don 't understand what farmers are doing out there, so we get them out there for an evening and show them what covers look like, what radishes look like, and different covers we use and then after that, we go to a bar, a local bar at one of the uh, <laughs> Lakes, and we have some social hour there, and you get a lot of interesting questions. A lot of these people around the lakes aren't from here. They're different areas. or from a large uh, city, and they don't understand farmers. You know, one of the questions I had that one time I got room, they asked me, um, these signs along the road that they see, the corn signs, is that a GPS coordinate for these people, or or what are they doing that for farmers? And another one asked me, why do farmers go all over the place when they harvest in the field. Why don't they start on one side of the field and work over? So their questions are legitimate. They don't understand. So with our group and the Lions group, we've been able to get that barrier down and have some social events. And also we always do a pontoon ride during the summer. We have the lake associations give us farmers. It's free of charge to get and take pontoons out on their lake. We pick different lakes every year and uh take them on their lake and, and show them what you know what they're doing on their lake and their shoreline restoration uh, restoration needs to get done too they don't need to have that concrete all the way down to the water they need to have a buffers with some native plants to filter that water before it gets into the soil into the river or the lake and then also pull nutrients out of the lake too also so we have a good time with that uh, uh pontoon rides and
1: get a lot of good, good communication back and forth so why do farmers go all over the field and not just right in a row? Or
2: <laughs> that that is a good question. Usually we try to you know try to open it up and then it's just a, it depends where you're going to be loading your grain out from it and uh it depends too. If you if you see a better side, you want to harvest that first or something. But it's usually just depends where, where you can load, you know, get the get your uh, wagons or semis out of the field and that. But uh, so mostly logistics.
1: logistics. Mostly logistics. Yeah.
2: Logistics. So, but yeah, it's just it's, it's interesting. It's just a lot of education. Where the farmers are being further and further away, less and less farmers and people aren't understanding what actually happens on day to day what we do out out in the field and harvest and plant our crops.
1: So again, before we dig into the 2023 uh, Soil Health Expo uh, that is uh, coming up uh, next week on Wednesday, um, for the benefit of our our listeners who, uh, you know, maybe didn't grow up on a farm or or don't Mm -hmm. have this type of background, we're going to be throwing a lot of terms out like cover crops, no till. Can, can we get that um, kind of translation? Uh, I guess uh, and uh, uh, explanation. May, uh, you're looking at Will. You want me to be the translator? <laughs> if you could, yeah. yeah let, let those of us who were, you know, yeah, right. born in the city uh, get an
0: understanding of what it is. Well, I think I can. I can be a fairly competent translator because I didn't grow up on a farm. Okay. And so I, you know, I come with that lack of knowledge. Previously, I hope I have some knowledge now. Um, so there's a lot of terms and jargon in agriculture and in different types of agriculture, but when Tony's referring to covers, he's referring to cover crops, which are plants that are planted not for the purpose of harvesting them as grain or as a uh, commodity. And so, for example, the two main commodities that we have here in Wisconsin are corn and soybeans. Between the corn, they're both annual summer crops, and so they are grown pretty much primarily between May and then harvested in October, November. Between those months, there's nothing usually growing out on the field. It's bare soil, which if you walk around any area that is not agricultural, you're not going to see bare soil very often. It's not kind of how nature chooses to express itself, right? And <laughs> so that, and what you have when you have bare soil is the propensity for precipitation events to take away those nutrients. And so with cover crops that are hardy, winter hardy. It means that they don't die in the winter time. They can, like Tony said, have a living root in that soil and help to take up some of those nutrients that would otherwise wash off, and also keep that soil in place. Um, and as well for uh, nitrogen, you know, we talked a little bit fo- about phosphorus, but nitrogen moves really quickly through the soil. And so after you take off your soybeans or your corn in October, November, you might still have excess nitrogen in that soil. And planting a cover crop. Around here, it's usually winter rye, helps to take up those nitri- that nitrogen out of the soil so it doesn't leach through it into
1: the groundwater. Let's and say. you don't do anything with the rye necessarily? Is that uh, cow feed or anything like that? Hay? Well, y-
2: you can, if you're a dairy farmer, you can harvest that in spring for some forage. Okay. And then also then- Forage is what you feed dairy cows. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Or the cows. translation. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so we can do that. Or otherwise, in our situation, we just plant uh, directly our, our corn and soybeans in the green cover crops that are growing and then we terminate them shortly right after planting to, to terminate that cover so that will break that cover down and, and then the corn plant or the soybean plant can start taking off the nutrients of that dying or plant that's already got the nutrients in it that are such as the ryegrass will die and, and actually add, add, hum, add fertilizer to the corn plant or whatever is growing the next year. Yeah, and so these cover crops
0: can be multi-use. They're not just for, you know, keeping the soil in place. And it's, and it's part of kind of a movement towards how can we work with systems level thinking and how can we work with the functions of plants to be able to use them in our systems. Mm-hmm. Like Tony was saying, you know, plant matter breaking down releases nutrients that it previously held up in its plant. So the younger, the greener a plant, the more nitrogen it has on it, mm-hmm with uh in ratio to the carbon that composes it so if it's really you know got a nice green tender plant or is a legume that fixes nitrogen from the atmosphere literally takes nitrogen out of the atmosphere and goes (laughs) into the soil and then it um pulls that up within the plant you know that high nitrogen is low carbon is then readily available as it breaks down decays in the soil or on top of the soil Mm -hmm. to the growing plant so it's a it's a form of could be if you do it right a form of fertilization for your commodity crop,
1: mm-hmm. it, and prevents you from losing that soil to natural right. erosion. Which I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. That topsoil is that isn't that like kind of the best soil? Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. Would, the amount we lose every
2: year because most of the average we're losing two or three or four tons a year on an average, and just just out there on uh, normal years if you don't have it covered in that. So, so we do lose a lot of this. You know, that little bit of topsoil, it, a dime's thickness on an acre is a ton of soil. Wow! So forty-three thousand five hundred and sixty square feet, a dime's thickness, or even a paper's thickness—that's a ton of soil loss. So it, you know, as we accumulate, because we've only been this heavy tillage and really getting into agriculture in the last fifty, sixty years, been really going into it since they invented the moldboard plow. So. We're actually losing, losing soil as we continue moving forward. So we need to protect our soil that we have there and keep it in place.
1: So, so, I mean, you know, we have been a hunter-gatherer farming society for, you know, millennia uh, right. or some there or thereabouts. Uh, and so the changes that we're talking about are, are relatively new then. And we need to learn to kind of adapt to how some of the processes that we put in place, yeah. how they interact with what we do.
0: Yeah, I mean, the dominant ecosystem in southern Wisconsin was the oak savanna, the prairie system of oak trees and uh, prairie in between those oak trees, which was not just happenstance that that came about. It was indigenous people selectively burning the prairie to yeah. prevent the growth of other trees. trees so it was just the old trees that would survive and this park like atmosphere was like ideal hunting grounds was one of the reasons mm. why they would kind of create the atmosphere and you know if you go around dodge county if you go around southern wisconsin there are parks that have kind of restored these prairie systems but there's not much left but what these prairie systems did do is they built a lot of soil a lot of organic matter because these roots of these perennial crop perennial plants which means They're living year after year after year. They're not reproducing and dying like our uh, commodity crops, like corn and soybeans. They have these root systems that are instead of a foot deep, they're four feet deep, they're eight feet deep. And they're really going very, very deep into the soil to pull up nutrients from lower kind of horizons of the soil, which then creates a lot of organic matter production there. So Dodge County, southern Wisconsin, we have beautiful soils, you know, sometimes up into the 4% organic matter, which is pretty high, these previously prairie soils. So when we have been doing kind of this heavier tillage, it's what it's doing is it's aerating the soils, it's introducing oxygen, which then allows the biology to break down that organic matter and give it as nutrients to the plants, which means we've had really great production over the years, but we've been depleting that organic matter bank so we need to kind of come up with different ways to how do we build that back Mm -hmm. is is one of the things that tony's talking about in this regenerative or agriculture movement is how can we build back our soils
1: so in the interest of sharing best practices with your with your neighbors with your Mm -hmm. colleagues with uh uh, friends family fellow agricultural producers you you're going to have an event um like the 2023 soil uh, health expo uh, that is coming up next wednesday Who is it that you want to attend uh, this event?
2: Well, any we mainly the farmers, but we we can have any uh, individual or lake association people or anybody out there that is interested in learning about. We got uh, David Brand coming. He's called the Godfather of uh, No Till, (laughs) and he's from Indiana. He's been doing uh, No Till and covers for years and years and years and years. He's got a lot of experience in it. But uh, we welcome anybody. It's an educational event. We're gonna. It's going to start at at eight thirty in the morning. It's at the uh, Juno Community Center, and we got fabulous uh, Chef Chance there doing our food. So. We're gonna have uh, in the morning a little social event, or just a meet and greet until a, uh, our meeting starts from 8:30 until 10. We'll have he's going to, We're gonna have coffee from uh, Higher Grounds Coffee Shop. We nice. always have them bring our coffee, and uh, Chef Chance will have bagels with his special, uh, you know, cream stuffs we so can put on the bagels, and we got some fresh fruit for you in the morning. And then in the afternoon, we'll have a, a nice fancy dinner from Chef Chance at noon. So uh, that's an enticement to get people there, but it, it's it's an we gotta we, you know it's kind of funny to say that, but we gotta draw farmers in. I remember growing up, my dad would always say, "Well, I don't know if I want to go to this event because I don't think they're going to have very good food there." <laughs> so it's it's a funny thing we always say, but it does entice people, you know, to come. And there's these people out there that'll say, "I don't know if I want to come." Well, the meal's going to be good, and there's all free food or not, you know, food there. We'll get them there, and then they can start learning, you know, and educate themselves. But it's open to anybody. It's uh, You just got to go to our Facebook page, Dodge County Farmers, or our website, or call Land Conservation Department and get registered. And uh, it's $50 uh, for the registration and includes your meals and everything, and also it'll include the membership. You'll be an official member of Dodge County Farmers with that $50 now this year because we do need uh, to get our official membership. List going and that so but now open to public. It's an educational event. It's a good educational event. We'll, our farmers will be talking about the farmer panel. They're talking about their practices and we'll give you a uh, rundown what we did this
1: last year, and uh, we'll go from there. Tony, uh, excuse me, David Brandt. Yep, is the uh, is, is kind of the uh, the main speaker. Mm-hmm. What uh, what are you looking forward to uh, hearing from uh, from David?
2: Well, he's got a lot of experience and using the covers, uh, reducing his costs per acre. Uh, reducing his weed suppression, you know, the weed suppression, the fertilizer input costs he's done- seen over the years. He's got a lot of experience in it. He's a very humble farmer. I got to know him really nice. He does a lot of speaking across the United States and uh, just got a lot to share, you know, on what he's seen and what he's doing. You know, and we don't have 100%. Nobody's got the right answer what we're doing here. We're all trying to work together and get this. You know, I'm not saying we, uh, we've got the right answer here, of myself or anybody doing these practices, but... It's something we need to keep building on and learn off of other people and see what we can reduce in our our, our cost per acre. And we're starting to see that that it does work and we can start you know reducing our cost per acre of growing crops and
1: and produce a better crop. Because you saw that you've you've seen that in action, Tony. You've, oh yeah. You've been there. You it, does the work that is put into it outweigh the uh, or or is it an it. Does it justify, basically, the work that you're putting into it?
2: Oh, I definitely feel because we've been, I remember as a kid growing up and 16 years old, I was moldboard plowing. I thought, you know, we had the world by the tail, moldboard plowing. My dad, I said, yeah, if you didn't cover all the stalks, you know, we drove around when I was younger and you know, growing up in the 70s, and the farmers didn't have their ground black, and all the residue's got to be covered underground. It's got to be covered. Well, we were taught wrong, you know, that wasn't the thing, you know, and then we went into chisel plowing, and he left some residue on top, and now we're into no-tilling, so... It's a process. I guess we weren't educated properly, and our input costs were cheaper years ago. So farmers just wanted to get up and go, go, go. Well, now we got to understand what we're doing out there, and uh, these practices do work. I've been seeing it. we've been no-tilling for quite a few years. I started in '93 or '94. their crop consultant got me going with some no-till. It does work, and everybody still wants to do that chisel plowing or, or digging the soil up. And it's kind of in their in their blood. They got to hop on a tractor and do that, but they don't just understand. What they're doing to the soil by destroying your soil structure over winter and and
1: uh, you know destroying your soil biology i, I was going to ask will if you would translate mopar uh, uh plowing but i i think i based on your explanation i i kind of you know glean that we're talking about turning the soil, soil over right, here exactly, essentially right. which is not a good idea
0: well you know, I, you know it's there's a lot we don't know everything about the soil. You know, we, yeah. even the scientists that work at the university, we, we are learning something new every day. And so it's not like things that were done in the past were inherently wrong. Mm-hmm. It's what was thought at the best at that time. Like everything that we, that we mm-hmm. learn and we're constantly learning. So we're constantly adjusting our practices. And you know, nothing's the silver bullet. Right. Just because you start no tilling, your whole farming system's not going to totally change and you're not going to make millions of more dollars. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a system. Right. So we have to take a systems approach to it. No till might be part of that. And it's a learning curve. You know, the first year you do it, you may not get the results that you want. But, you know, one year is one year and you have to try it. Start small. This <laughs> is what everyone yep. says, and it's 100% the best advice. And make sure that you get a couple years of it small so you can figure out how it works for your system. And, you know, no-till, cover crops, there's a lot of other things that you could be doing as well. Um, and it, it's, it's all part of that larger system, and you
1: have to figure out what works for you. And from a profit, profitability standpoint I think is really important it'll be one of the uh, the topics next Wednesday cover crops for soil health and reducing inputs to increase profitability Dave Brandt uh, the Ohio no-till farmer uh, going to be uh, that uh, featured speaker on that event 8:30. Uh, is when things get underway with coffee donuts and vendor booths and the expo uh, gets underway in earnest 10 a.m to 4 p.m at the uh, juno community center that's 500 lincoln drive in the county seat of dodge county our guests here uh, will full with university of wisconsin extension dodge county uh tony pyrick is with the dodge county farmers for healthy soil healthy waters we do have to take a break we'll be back here on community comment in just a few minutes
0: the time is 1 o'clock here at 95.3 WBEV, powered by Daily Dodge. Let's go back to Community Comment with Craig
1: Warmbold. And our guest Tony Pyrick. He is with Dodge County Farmers, Healthy Soils, Healthy Waters. Will Fullwinder with the University of Wisconsin Extension, Dodge County, talking about an event coming up. You know, it's geared toward farmers, but anybody interested in uh, water quality, uh, healthy environment, uh, certainly invited to the 2023 Soil Health Expo. Uh, it's going to be next Wednesday, getting underway at uh, 8.30. The expo gets uh, underway in earnest at 10 o'clock, and uh, it's all at the Juneau Community Center, 500 Lincoln Drive in Juneau, uh, talking about um, a variety of uh, sustainable practices uh, that are, are best practices, you would contend, for, uh, for farmers, uh, not just in Wisconsin, but, you know, I mean, this is kind of a, a, a new global approach, it seems like, uh, based on this conversation today. Give me some insight into the role that Dodge County and Wisconsin are playing in this conversation in kind of the big picture in, in terms of the United States, in, in terms of, um, you know, some of these best practices, looking at looking at these on kind of a global scale.
2: Well, like I say, you know, we're across the United States. Wisconsin is recognized for all our farmer-led groups we've got going, and we're just lucky here in Dodge County. Our group has been very, very progressive, very forward, and uh, and instrumental in getting this stuff going. So we're recognized through the state as one of the leaders running these groups and that, which is, you know, we're very humbled for that. But we've also been able to, uh, Governor Evers reached out to us this last fall, I got an email from him, and he wanted to come out, and he was visiting some farms and that and doing his run, and wanted to come out and just thank us for doing what we're doing here in Dodge County and, the, and moving forward with this, and I took him to a Chris Conley farm. We showed him a farm and that, and he really enjoyed doing that, so it was a, a nice 45-minute uh, uh, visit with the governor and uh, recognized us for what we're doing here, and I, I gave him a lot of compliment. We need that dad cap support for a group here, we're just lucky, and we'll chime in on this on how our groups are established and how we're lucky to have these groups here in the state of Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, so DATCAP, which is the Department of Ag, Transportation, Consumer Protection, uh, makes available currently a million dollars annually, which is, you know, if you think about the state budget, a drop in the bucket, uh, of of seed funding, of grant funding for these farmer-led watershed groups. And they're watershed groups because they're typically based around a specific watershed. Dodge County is a little bit unique in that it's uh, the whole county rather than a specific watershed. But you could say the Rock River encompasses most of the county, although there's a little bit sliver that's not that. Um, And so there's a grant application process uh, that has kind of been updated as the years have gone on. And uh, usually that there's someone within the Land Conservation Department or someone that works with a local NGO that is affiliated with the uh, watershed group that helps the farmers uh, kind of cobble all of the information together and put together the grant application that is renewed annually uh, and reviewed by uh, the Department uh, Department of Ag here in Wisconsin. And so that's kind of how the process works, and people that are interested in starting up new groups in different watersheds can do so. Um, The government has been, uh, the state government has been very supportive of the group so far and has increased that spending, which has allowed more and more groups to uh, kind of enroll in the program. And there's been a lot of success in uh, getting farmers to adopt new practices to try things out that maybe they wouldn't have normally done before because there is some cost-sharing Risk-sharing mechanisms in place through these groups that farmers can access. So, it's been really, really successful. And in my work, you know, working on education, connecting the university research to the farmers and the farmers to the university research, uh, it has been huge, instrumental. in the work that I've been doing, I do a lot of on-farm research, so I've been working with a lot of the folks at the uh, Dodge County Farmers Group um, to on the, on those projects. So it's been it's been a boon
1: to my work. 920-885-4446, sure. by the way, that phone number if you've got a, a question for our, uh, our guests here today on Community Comment. And uh, all this that we're talking about has, has gained the attention of, uh, of folks from outside mm-hmm. of Wisconsin. Uh, give us some insight into some of the people that you've spoken to about this, Tony.
2: Yeah, it's kind of it's interesting. I'm a mentor for the state of Wisconsin. ADCAP's got one of other five of us for the state of Wisconsin mentoring to help groups get started and help establish groups. And and uh, I got a call from uh, Oregon. and I thought it was state of. Uh, I said Oregon, just here in, in Wisconsin. No, no, it's the state of Oregon. The Land <laughs> Conservation Department called me. They're interested in trying to get groups going. They hear what we're doing here and that's which is very humbling in that. And then also I talked to the. Land conservation uh, LCD department are down in Illinois and they're, they're getting, they want to get some groups started too. They're having a hard time getting farmer led groups going down there. And then also one day when I was uh, combining corn, I got a call from London, England. <laughs> so, yeah, the Economist newspaper and publishing company wanted to do an article and they had seen I did a, I work with the Upper Mississippi Watershed Group. I'm in that group with a few farmers who are working on the Mississippi and the runoff and farmers' problems there, and then we did a, a Zoom meeting with a couple other farmers, and they seen me. I was on the Internet, and that's how she pulled my name up. So it's it's a, a topic that's out there. Everybody's, you know, the environment is very hot topic and that's been, it's really important to everybody out there so and it means a lot too and also we've got other we've got nature's conservancy where they're giving us a lot of money we're doing a NUE trial last year and we're continuing it this year nitrogen use efficiency where we're doing different rates of nitrogen and we got sand county foundation giving us money and we have Walter, water infiltration probes on farms and our uh, our county, and we're comparing them to a neighbor that does tillage, and uh, compared to our farm, which we don't do tillage, and see where how the water infiltrates on a three year study. So we do have a lot of projects going. A lot of different uh, conservation groups are interested in giving us money and doing research. So it's been a kind of an interesting and a fun time out there. So so what does that tell you then about the path that you're on? Well, it's it's needed. I mean, we got to go that path. We we got no other alternative. And as you get into the nutrition, now they're starting to dig into the nutrient density of our corn and our soybeans And that. And because our soil's been tilled and destroyed, the biology ain't there. And the nutrients, the vitamins and nutrients aren't coming up into the plant like they normally would on healthier soil. And we're not getting our, our vitamins and the more, the nutrients is a lot less now than it was years ago when we had a lot healthier soil. So the consumer's starting to look at that and say, hey, we want more healthier, you know, Better nutrition in our food and that. So, by, in order to get that, we've got to get back to the better soil biology, and your your soil's got to be a lot
1: better as far as the you know the biology and uh, you know. So, you seem to be saying that, in addition to um, some of these cost-saving measures that we're talking about, some of these environmental um, advantages that uh, that come with it. Uh, the average consumer just in going to the store and and buying some of the things that they normally buy could see greater nutritional impacts in their lives. That's, I I don't even remember that coming up in these, all these conversations that we've had low these many years.
2: It's interesting. It's been coming up now because, uh, you know, there's a lot more, we're having a lot more health issues over the years and we got to determine where are that, where is our problem that coming on these health issues. And that's what's, Kind of bringing this stuff up, it, it's it's everything in what we do and what we eat and what we do nowadays. So, they're tracing it back to nutrients that we don't have in our in our uh, on our food we eat anymore and uh, what we raise. So, it's it's interesting. It's coming full force, and people are if people start demanding it. They're going to have to. We'll be pushing the
1: farmers to do a little better job of what we do. Again, you could attend uh, next Wednesday's event. It is uh, called the 2023 Soil Health Expo. Uh, Dodge County Farmers healthy soil healthy water Um, Sean Wessener uh, uh, is going to be speaking Could you give us some insight into what uh, what he might be speaking about
2: yeah Sean this last year because we've been basically running our group ourselves uh, we've had issues with getting Advisor, soil health advisor. Now, Will's been here; he's been a great asset to it over the years. And so, I've been kind of—we've been kind of on our own putting our meetings together, and we've been doing all our own. So, uh, Farmers Sustainable Food is a group that started in 2021, and it's put—it's uh, supported by some grants and by the uh, the dairy dairy business association. Dairy business association, yep. and we hire them on to help us uh, do administrative work, uh, help us put on our. On my annual or monthly meetings, and do supportive work. And uh, Sean's one of the guys they hired on to do st- uh, to, uh, to, to do, uh, get the numbers together and uh, stat numbers, and do reports on groups how we're doing. And he's one. Of, he'll give us a report on uh, what we're doing and how many acres of covers we got in this last year. And he's accumulating that from the groups and that. So this farmer sample food has been a very integral report Part of our group now to help us go forward. There's a lot of stuff we got to get going. We got to do reporting. We got to do uh, you know collection of data. So and get meetings together. Yeah,
0: and you know this collection of data is becoming more and more important as DATCAP has increased the funding and as more groups have come around. There's more of a a want to quantify to look at. Okay, what is the effect that these groups are actually having on water quality? How much phosphorus are they keeping uh, out of our local water bodies? And so. It's trying to figure out how do we quantify that. We have a nutrient management planning system in the state called Snap Plus that's developed by the university, and you can kind of quantify based off the practices that you're doing in your soil type, yada, 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 how much, nutri- how fewer nutrients are running off your field because of this change in practices. So using that in, uh, in coordination kind of with the farmer group, getting these farmers together can run some numbers about, okay, what is the effect that the group is actually having as far as actual numbers of phosphorus running into uh,
1: local water systems. So that's what he'll be talking about. Uh, there's also going to be a panel, a farmer innovation panel with uh, local farmers. Uh, moderated by one. Well, look at this. Will Fulwider. Oh wow. Will. <laughs> Will, what are you going to be talking about?
0: So we've got we're going to have three or four farmers, four I believe, uh, farmers talking about kind of the different innovations that they've had on their farms, and it's going to be a really great group of folks, ranging in size from 170 total acres up into the thousands. So doing different practices that work for their farms that, you know, are trying to increase their margins um, while also being mindful of the environment and decreasing nutrient runoff. So farmers that have been introduced grazing into their system, introducing livestock back onto the land because of the benefits that you can find therein. Uh, Farmers that are doing, you know, something that's a step between tillage and no-till, and that would be called strip-till, which is very popular uh in wisconsin and in dodge county and it's kind of this intermediary step which some people they're like this works for my system this works for me i'm going to stay here what strip tillage is is rather than turning over the soil on the entire field you're only turning over a little bit of the soil in between where you would not in between where you would actually plant your corn so you're leaving these rows in between your corn or your soybeans intact you're not turning that over so if you look out at a field that's like the gap black soil for a couple of inches, and then it's a span of undisturbed soil and black soil for a couple of inches. You're like, ah, that's strip till. So that's kind of to give you an idea of what that looks like, strips. So Farmer uh, will be talking about that, why that works with his system. And so I think it'll be really good perspectives on kind of the different approaches that you can take to conservation practices and how that fits within your larger, your larger farming model.
1: And there's been a, a million dollars in funding that was part of the most recent budget uh, that was given to uh, the state AG department essentially uh, to make some of these practices possible so this is a, a, local farmers can get a, a little piece of this funding to employ some of these practices
2: yeah, we come up with programs uh, last few years we've always had uh, CCIP cover crop incentive program and uh, we paid them twenty five dollars an acre up to forty acres and uh, in return, if you put those covers on, you had to have a match. So for every one cover we paid, one acre of cover we paid you for, you had to put one acre of your own to give some, you know, skin in the game. So we did that for a few years. Now we got to move forward with that. Now we're paying for a pay for per performance, and that maybe will can go more into that. It will be any kind of practices that will reduce our phosphorus and reduce sediment. So we cover kind of a, a, a broader spectrum rather than saying just one practice if you're just gonna do strip till and pay this or you know that so with the pay for performance will give a lot more options to people
0: yeah so what that entails is rather than being restrictive to cover crops any practice like Tony Mm -hmm. was saying that you that you believe or is credited to reducing sediment runoff soil runoff and therefore phosphorus runoff for your farms, can be kind of cost shared Mm -hmm. so reduced tillage cover crops or engineering on your farm like putting in grass waterways which is areas that water tends to run through the farm and would normally cause erosion have a permanent cover and are taken actually out of production because usually they are marginal land anyways or constantly being eroded so putting that in a permanent cover that could qualify so it's a really quite a long list of practices and a little bit more flexible for farmers that maybe have already put in the covers for Mm -hmm. a long time their whole fields in cover crops are like okay what more can I do? And it's like, well, you know, we have this new program that is, and it's not paying you for a practice. It's paying for the phosphorus that that practice helps to save on your farm. So it's, it's, it, that's why it's paid for performance rather than pay for practice.
1: Mm-hmm. So there are, uh, there are risks associated with oh, yeah. this for farmers. What is at the extreme of, of the risk
0: scale? I mean, I think it's a learning curve yeah. is, is, the, is the risk of it, really. It's, let's say you've never done no-till before and it's a really wet spring mm-hmm. and you're having trouble, you would have trouble getting in anyways. And it, and it is true that with no-till in the springtime, it takes a little bit longer for your soils to warm up, to dry out. Okay. Um, and so as, depending on how you manage your covers. Mm-hmm. And so that's a whole, you know, it's, it's nested, right? And so it's that kind of lack of knowledge about how these systems articulate with each other is a big part of that, and that's that learning curve. So the risk is, if you don't know the system super well, that you might have trouble starting down that path, especially if the weather is not being, you know, cooperative, and it's, you know, it's the weather. You never
1: know what's going to happen. Yeah. But you have a, a network of resources, essentially.
2: Yeah. Well, in our group, we've got you can, which was nice of these farmer led groups. We, we call on each other, and they can call me. They can call any of us, and I'll get calls from all. They're kind of hesitant of doing some practices and that, and uh, that's where we need to be. You know, like I say, we, we need to be out there, and uh, like I say, we get to the. We're always at Dodge County Fair. The last few years, we set up a tent. We're there, so everybody's welcome to attend. And we hit the, 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 the dairy breakfasts and uh, try to get there. So we're, we're out there public, publicly and, and these meetings we hold, we try to get education there and they know farmers are out there, just call us and, and we can help you out with stuff.
1: Our guests are with uh, Dodge County Healthy Soils, Healthy Waters, uh, that would be Tony Pyrick uh, with the University of Wisconsin Extension Dodge County. We'll full wider in talking about uh, opportunity uh, to learn best practices, uh, maybe save some money and help uh, with the environment. 2023 soil health expo uh, it's going to be next week wednesday february eighth getting underway at 8 30 uh, speakers starting at uh, at 10 a.m uh, there is a, a registration requirement we'll get the details on that when we return here on community comment in just a few minutes
0: this is 95.3 wbev powered by daily dodge let's go back to craig Warmbold for more community comment
1: and our guests, uh, Tony Pyrick, Dodge County dairy farmer and uh, board president of the Dodge County Farmers for Healthy Soil and Healthy Water, will full wider uh, with the uh, UW Extension, uh, University of Wisconsin Extension, Dodge County. Not the Crops and Soils Agent either anymore. You are the Regional Crops Educator. Regional Crops <laughs> Educator. Uh, talking about this event coming up uh, next Wednesday. Uh, for Farmers and More, uh, it's at the uh, Juno Community Center, 832-4. Uh, Pre-registration is required for this? Yeah, yeah,
2: we need to know. So the head council so we got all yeah so we have plenty of food chef chance usually will never run
1: out but uh, so it's I, a food thing basically oh, for yeah, the registration yeah, it's, it's okay thing, if yeah. you feed them they will come <laughs> <Yep>. oh, <right. laughs> oh, yeah oh yeah especially the farmers yep oh, how yeah. does how does one register for this
2: uh, we can go either on our, our facebook or web webpage register there or call the land conservation department in uh, Juneau and talk to Becky Becky you'll take your registration
1: it's that easy 3863660 that uh, phone number to register I think i got that right Three eight six thirty six sixty 3660 number of uh, speakers including an ohio no-till farmer uh, david brandt uh, sean Westner, talking about uh, conservation outcomes and uh, will fullwider our guest here has a farmer innovation uh, panel will um, give us some uh, uh, some insight if you would on um, some of the uh, extensions uh, on farm research projects
0: yeah and it's these kind of projects that are taking the research off of not off of, but in addition to the research that goes on at Arlington Ag Research Station and other ag research stations that the UW owns. Those are great. They have a lot of really replicated and robust research, but you know, I've heard lots of farmers talk about the fact that their farm is not Arlington Research Station. <laughs> they have really beautiful soils there and that's not the case for everyone. And part of the goal is to be like, okay, you know, how can we work with farmers' management systems and on their farms to give them workable information, practical information that they're like, all right, this was not on the ag research station, this was on my farm. So I can actually tangibly feel and see the results as throughout the growing season or during harvest. And that's a big part of it. And also the other part of it is the farmers are innovating all the time, you know, and that's why it's a real pleasure to work with Tony and the Dodge County Farmers Group Because you've got these farmers that are constantly trying new practices that are trying to push the envelope on what is possible in their different farms. And so worked on a couple different projects with them. And they can go move faster than uh, the farmers can move faster than the university on some of that research. They already tried out on two acres in one year. The next year they've adopted it all on 100 And so being able to keep up with that, I think is part of it, being able to be a little bit more boots on the ground, um, which is the goal of extension. So it's become a big part of um, of my work. And some of the projects that we've been working on, Tony mentioned earlier, the nitrogen use efficiency project, is really looking at what is an ideal amount of nitrogen that we can apply, synthetic nitrogen, that we can apply to a growing corn plant. There's this thing called maximum return to nitrogen, which is the idea that what is the amount of nitrogen you apply to a corn crop that gets you the most money, rather than the highest yield, often kind of the, the, mm-hmm. the thought has been to chase yield, be like I want 200, 250, 300 bushel corn, whereas the amount of inputs, the amount of nitrogen you need to put on that corn crop to grow that 300 bushel corn may not be as profitable as a lower amount that grows you 180 bushels of corn in which you'll make more money and so that's that maximum return to nitrogen idea but it's like okay how far can we actually pull back on that you know what are our soils giving us tony talked a lot about regenerating the ability of the soils to function and grow plants and so how much can we pull back on that synthetic nitrogen and depend upon what the actual soils are providing for nitrogen and so you pretty much go across the field and put different rates of nitrogen zero forty eighty one twenty those are pounds or of 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 nitrogen and look what is the yield in the end, and then how does that compare to the cost that you put into that plant mm-hmm. as well? So that's one of the studies. And yeah. another one that that um, cap just came out with a grant, uh, 1.6 million dollars for farmers to try new projects based on nitrogen. Mm-hmm. How can we optimize nitrogen? And one of the things that we applied for was, well, we're talking about these cover crops. What can they provide for nitrogen for the following corn crop? There are cover crops that are leguminous, that fix that nitrogen we talked about earlier, that they can actually, you know, create nitrogen out of the atmosphere and that you can use that for a following corn crop or wheat or what have you. And so we're investigating, hopefully, if we get the funding comes through, (laughs) what is the ability of those cover crops to, uh, what and how is the ability of those cover crops to provide that nitrogen for that corn.
1: Dodge County Farmers for Healthy Soil and Healthy Water established in 2017. 45 members, 27,000 acres. Uh, there's room for a 46th member. Oh yeah, no, we're we're, <laughs> we're
2: pushing. We're, we want to keep that going forward. We're constantly adding and keep going forward. We're not we're not covering. We're getting. I don't know. We're not over 10, 15 percent covers yet. But want to get going. Our goal is another four more years to get 50 percent of our county. In cover crops okay. of our land there, so that's what we're pushing for. And uh, if, if people come to these events and understand what, what they can do and what it, how it helps them, I think we can reach that goal. It's 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 something that's you know it's a necessity that we got to go forward with in farming to build our and to reduce our input costs and uh, save our soil and keep the runoff down.
0: And what that I'm oh, sorry, no, go ahead.
2: Uh, and what that might
0: look like if you're not a farmer is driving around Dodge County in the winter time. You know how many fields are you seeing that still have some green on them? versus how many that are just residues or black or what have Excellent, you. Yeah. And so kind of for the for the non-farming public to judge what is what are cover crops look like, is the field kind of green in, in November, December, you know, when there's no snow on yeah. it? So the goal, like Tony said, would be 50%. So if you see 50% of the fields around where you're driving in Dodge County green in December, then they're doing yeah. their job.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like I say, we got, you know, it's just not my group or whatever it's it's our whole board of I, I can't say enough about our whole board of directors we've got it's been a super board of directors they've helped me so much my co-chair all the way through all our board members to our, our support groups of, uh, of the DNR the land conservation department and like wolf Ritter. it takes a group of farmers it's not one individual you got to have a, a good group and you got to have our like a Dodge County farmer we got a good group going a lot of good farmers that are doing practice that believe in it that that it moves forward and that's what it's the key to these uh, these groups moving forward, they have good farmers, good participation. And here in Dodge County, we got a lot of support. Lake associations, people have been an excellent support to us. They've been really instrumental in helping us and moving forward with this stuff. So we got to congratulate. I, I just put, like give a lot of congratulations to our whole county that they're really supporting us, and I'm, I, we appreciate the support. Anything you can do, you can call us. You can see, follow us on our Facebook page. We've got an active Facebook page our Dodge County uh, web page. And anything you want to do or you want to help us, want to be involved with anything, let us know.
1: You, you, we've talked a lot about the, uh, the financial aspects of, uh, of implementing some of these uh, procedures that we're talking about. What, what does the time commitment look like? I, I would assume that with anything, implementing any new type of uh, process in any field, there's going to be a little bit of time investment at the, at the onset and then that kind of just evens out and, and, and becomes part of the, the process. Could I assume that this, these practices we're talking about now are similar?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, anything. It take you know, your first year you're going to have more mo- You know, you'll be putting more, you know, your effort and money into it. And it, it, as it keeps moving forward, you're going to see the return. You know, it's not going to happen in one or two years, that, you know, switching over the no-till and covers. And uh, you got to give it time. you got to let the soil build a biology and, uh, you know, keep moving forward. And it is a time thing. You know,
0: um, switching to no-till means you don't have to do tillage passes across the field, which you would do at least two, one in the fall and Mm -hmm. one in the spring, perhaps more. So you're not running those passes across every field on your land. You're just planting directly into that untilled field. And so that saves you time and diesel and the wear and tear on your Mm -hmm. machinery. So that, in effect, is a time saving. Now, the cover crops that take time to plant, and as you get more into later seasons, let's say it's a delayed harvest season, you're into November or maybe even December when you're harvesting, it becomes harder and harder to plant those cover crops. But I mean, people I've, I've talked to farmers that have been like, yeah, I just spread that winter rye over the snow, which was great because right. they could see where they planted it then. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's sitting right on top of the snow, but well, you know, it's... All. A lot of these plants are pretty, pretty hardy and flexible. So even if you're like, oh, I'm not going to be able to get in the cover this year, yeah.
2: it's worth no, a try. No, they're pretty flexible. Yeah, put them in, a, you know, way up to Christmas, we planted it and and they, they will grow. Cereal royal will grow anything. Another thing I want to mention, too, we do have a sponsorship drive. So if anybody wants to be a sponsor or, uh, you know, uh, sponsor our group or give us money for sponsorship, we're always welcome to it. Like I say, we, we use that money for education and put on public events that you're always free to come because so normally most of our events during the summer are all free for the public to
1: come that's where we use that money too, and educate the people so excellent so as we wind down the uh, the program could we bullet point a couple of the uh... the advantages of moving to some of these uh... practices uh... that we've been talking about throughout the course of the uh, day today (coughs) some of the
2: practices reducing your cost per acre you know we're gonna reduce the tillage costs you know and getting in there and and then the next step you can reduce your your fertilizer you know moving forward you're gonna hopefully reduce fertilizer you know need you'll be able to pull more out of the soil and uh, weed suppression has been another really uh, very positive, although it can suppress a lot of the weeds we've got problems. And from there, bringing back our our, our insects, our beneficials. So we're, we're spraying some of these insecticides, and in that we're killing more beneficials than we are. Those little that little insect out there that's doing the damage is very minimal compared to the ones we kill that are beneficial. And the thing of it is, when we got unhealthy soil, insects attack unhealthy plants. If you have a healthy plant, we will not have the problems we've got out there with insects and different diseases coming. I've been noticing on our farm too; we don't have the problems anymore with a lot of the insects and the alfalfa and that. And it's kind of interesting, you know. Nobody wants to believe that, but a healthy plant will not attract, you know, uh, an insect that'll be, ben, you know, detrimental to it. So, and, we, and it hurts our, our bees. You know, we know that we understand that too. The, the bee population's been suffering. That's all part of this, what we do. So we got to change. You know, we're going to have to change. It's inevitable.
1: Seven events in 2022 from Dodge County Farmers for Healthy Soil, Healthy Water. Uh, this is the first event of yours for 2023?
2: Yes. Yes, it was. All right. We try to have some shop meetings once in a while. It's our thing. You know, we try to get together and talk about stuff. But, uh, yeah, this will be our first one. It always kicks off the year. And we get everybody going forward. And like I say, it's education. We just got to move forward with education. It's what I'm up to now is just get the people there and educate them and show them what we're doing, the projects we do in our groups. And, and the, like I say, our, our members are just phenomenal what we got here in our, our Dodge County. we got to give it to a lot of our farmers. They're very,
1: very beneficial in our, our group and our moving forward and our support staff. Well, uh, can, we, uh, can we try to get something on the calendar and make sure that if you have a, as many or more okay. uh, to come back and, and yep. let our listeners know about yep. what you're doing? We I really will, do appreciate I the time will, today. I appreciate it, Craig. Uh, final word uh, today. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll give it to you first before letting Tony wrap everything up. Yeah, I mean,
0: I think it's going to be a good event. Um, I'm excited to ask a bunch of questions for this farmer panel coming up, and I am hoping that all the farmers will ask a bunch of questions too yeah. because it's a chance for them to be like okay why did you decide to embark on this innovative practice or you know how did you balance the risk and all these things so come with your questions is what I would say um, because the more engaged the audience the more everyone learns
1: oh yeah Tony
2: you no know, and I invite every farmer to come if you're on the on the edge of you know you want to learn something it, it's been a really interesting Journey so far, and people got to understand and learn what's, what's happening out there. And this with David Brand's a very humble person, he's got a very good talk. He'll talk about all his journey over the last 40 some years of his no till and cover. So, and like I say, we got uh, a good program. Uh, see your neighbors, talk to your neighbors, and then in the afternoon after the thing, we got a social with beer and pizza after a while. So, that'll be good too for a social event. But to come there and learn, I mean, if, you, if you're on the fence, come just. Come and listen once.
1: Well, I'd like to thank you for allowing our listeners to uh, to listen to you and hear you guys out on today's program, and we do look forward to that next conversation. Okay, yeah, thanks very yeah, Once thanks. again, that's Tony Pyrick. Uh, he is with uh, he's the president of uh, Dodge County Farmers for Healthy Soil, Healthy Water. Will Fulwider uh, with the University of Wisconsin Extension, Dodge County, and that is going to do it for today's community comment.